Welcome to All Things Tibet, a podcast hosted by Taylor and Brittany. We'll be coming to you with brand new episodes every Tuesday. If you want to tweet along as you listen, feel free to use the hashtag AllThingsTibetPod. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. This is All Things Tibet Podcast. I'm Brittany. I'm Taylor. And today we are going to be talking about something a little bit different. We're going to mix it up a little bit and we are going to talk about some of our favorite non-sex scenes featuring Tibet. Yes. And we're doing this because this is our podcast and we can do whatever we want. <laughs> schedule, don't know her. Yeah. Well, we're also, they don't have our schedule. We only have our schedule. <laughs> but it will be, it will be a nice break because I feel like the last several episodes that we've done or the, our last several podcast episodes get into the, we, we get into these very serious discussions and they yeah. can get really heavy. And sometimes it's nice to just focus on what we love about Tibet rather than having to be so critical of their flaws. <laughs> yeah. Fair. <laughs> Fair enough. So going to dwell on the positive today. That's right. So we're going to talk about three of our favorite scenes today well four talk about four of our favorite scenes today today we're going to start with the scene in episode four no i'm saying this <laughs> season four episode eight i believe lexington and concord i forgot it was called that yeah that's like one of the only names some people are really good about remembering the names of the episodes i am not I am very good at remembering what season things happened in. That's about the extent of what I, I remember. Am I hearing some Muriel bitterness <laughs> creeping into your voice, Brittany? I am, yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So here's the thing. But every other week, sometimes once a month, we do a trivia night, sometimes day, with our little server all things to that server in discord and muriel and amber continually keep taking first place and taylor took it once bitch um <laughs> and i have been vying for the number one spot for so long and i keep getting second place and third place in in quite frankly i think the game is rigged i think robin <laughs> is <laughs> I think Robin is giving Muriel the answers ahead of time. <laughs> That's the only way to explain why I haven't won yet. It's a giant conspiracy. It's an owl conspiracy. In fact, I think the other part is that I don't trust the scorekeeper. Who was you, always you if I'm not what? the scorekeeper. <laughs> what did I do to you, Brittany? The numbers just seem off. I think I need to start keeping my own score is what I need to do. Okay, fine. You do that. No, I'll give, it, I'll give it to Muriel. She is really good at season one and two L word trivia. I, I'll give her that. Amber too. I mean, Amber has been watching seasons on repeat since 2004. So <laughs> gosh, I'd hope that she'd get first place at some point. So yeah, maybe I am a little bitter. So what? So what? Season four, episode eight. <laughs> the episode opens up after the intro, the theme music. 
what do you call that? The cast the, list? The, the, the opening opening credits? Credits. <laughs> yes. After the opening credits, we're in Bet's living room and setting the stage a little bit. Bet is newly in a relationship with Jody. Tina is in a relationship with Henry for a while at that point, a couple months maybe, handful of months. I think their relationship, Henry and Tina's, was only what? It couldn't have been more than six or nine months. No. I like at that point, I you said that and I was like, were they still together at that point? I don't they were. I mean, the thing is, is that they don't break up till the very end of season four. Right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So so, so technically. <laughs> yeah, so technically, yeah, because because one of the one of the scenes that we see of them just a, sh- a short while after the scene is when they're talking in the backyard and mm-hmm. Tina is giving her advice and she's there. Oh, that's her. a good one too. It is. We should talk about that too. This might become a two-part thing. <laughs> just figuring it out around here. Okay. So Bet is with Jody. Tina is with Henry. They're finally getting along again. Yeah. Took a long time to get here. Yeah. But they're they're friendly and Tina. No one's abducting Angie anymore. Yeah, they're not cussing each other out at uh in Bet's office. <laughs> and Tina lays her heart on the line for Bet. Mm-hmm. They have this very sweet moment where they're talking about lay girl and Tina says to bet, is that how people really see me? Cause they're talking about the character Nina and Bet's reassuring her. No, you said it yourself. Jenny's a bitch. Yeah. Jenny's a bitch. She's, she says some pretty harsh things about her, fr- her so-called friends in lay girl. And so, yeah, so Tina lays her heart on the line. And what does she say to her Taylor? Basically, in much more poetic words, she says, I miss you. Yeah. You know, she says, I miss our life. I miss, you know, being surrounded by women, which I think is a really important line. I know it was a really important line to Laurel. And she also says, I think I might've made a mistake. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. And I think that because we had seen Tibet in conflict so much when all of this was kind of coming to a head. They were like, again, they were finally getting along. We had just seen so much strife in their relationship for season three. They were good in season two. Season three was rough. Mm-hmm. Beginning of season four was rough. You know, like they're mm-hmm. finally turning a corner. And I think because of all that, again, we're seeing this reflection piece on Tina's behalf. And yeah. I think that it's, it's again for as much as they've gone through it's pretty touching to see her reflect on what she loved about being with that yeah i mean to me unpopular opinion i think but in terms of tina at least really kind of bearing her soul and being honest in a real way that scene to me is is more of that than the elevator scene is. Yeah, I would agree. Because at I that mean, point, again, they're not sleeping together. Right. They're so there's sleeping. no sex to get distracted by. 
<laughs> yeah, though I think if Jody hadn't walked in, it could have gotten, it could have gotten, yeah, it could have gone that's that true. direction pretty, that's true. pretty quickly. That's very true. But I think not to pull a Britney, but for those of you who don't know, there's an interview that's actually on YouTube. At least it's on YouTube in the states. I don't know about anywhere else. Sorry if it's not. But sorry for the other Laura- fifty-four cu- countries that listen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but. It's back when, I guess, Eileen was doing podcasts, apparently, for the show. I don't know. It was called Podcast, but oh, either way. Was it, like the, it was like the L Word podcast, wasn't it? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And so basically it was Eileen interviewing Laurel, and they were talking about this episode. Sure. And the reason I say that it's on YouTube is I think that anybody who has even a passing interest in Tina should go watch it because the way that Laurel talks about Tina, the way Laurel talks about Tina at any point is I think really enlightening and amazing. But in that interview in particular, they talk about this scene a lot. And one of the things that Laurel said that really stuck with me, like I haven't seen that video in months, Mm -hmm. but I still remember her talking about how lonely Tina was Mm -hmm. in season four. And, you know, that's probably why she was so introspective. Yeah. Because she had nothing. I mean, she had work and she had Angie and in theory, she had this relationship, but it wasn't really going well. And she had no friends to talk to because everybody ditched her. when she got with Henry and so I think she's probably spent a lot of time sitting and thinking yeah I think you're right and like the I like the newness of that relationship with Henry wore off right you know that honeymoon phase that they're crazy about each other it's new it's fresh then all of a sudden it's like oh shit like this was a this was my life yeah yeah and i mean obviously we'll talk about all of this a lot more when we get to the painful years (laughs) (laughs) thankfully won't be for a little while but i think one of the really interesting things in that line that sort of storyline for me is when they're at the party and that horribly awkward party where they're trying to force their straight friends and their gay friends to get along and it's just really not working. Yes. But there's this moment where I think it's when all of the lesbians are getting up to leave or whatever. And Tina's literally just left sitting there by herself. And I think you can kind of see in that moment, literally the stuck in the middle, not really accepted by either side thing that sadly is a common bisexual experience. Mm -hmm. And I think going through that, yeah, Tina did have a lot of time kind of sitting on the outskirts of the two worlds she was trying to inhabit. And again, that line about, I miss being surrounded by women Mm -hmm. is just so poignant and powerful to me because it's not just that she misses Mm -hmm. it's her friends Mm -hmm. so I think 
aside from being obviously this really sweet moment between them because we get to see bet be a little bit nurturing then too right because they have this very sweet hug bet's essentially cradling tina in her arms it really is um, quite, it's quite the um contrast to how it normally looks right yeah it's normally tina in that position exactly and so it's kind of a it's a nice moment for both of them because you and i talk all the time about how tina is bad at talking and bet is bad at listening and tina talks in that scene and bet really listens yeah. and i think that's what made that such a good scene yeah there was a lot of tenderness there because they were they were sitting in roles that they weren't normally in but they were doing them well yes and i also think just going back to this conversation of like this experience being by though we've had this talk before about how like tina identifies as a lesbian but she's like with henry but like it's so if you listen to any interview that Laurel does, she will say that Tina's character was bisexual because she was. Yeah. She yeah. Was. Yeah. Was. It's just that line was so clearly, I'm sorry, Eileen, I love you to death, but it was so clearly just lesbians not knowing how to write actual bisexual people. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? I realize it was a different time and like, I guess biphobia was okay back then, but like, I don't know. It's just, it's it, bisexuality in the L word in general is, is just really weird. But yeah, that whole, I think being a lesbian is a political identity. What the fuck does that mean? Uh, yeah. But I think that it, that's, that's particular scene you're talking about with the party at Henry's that does show now, granted, for me personally, I have not been out as bi to many people for very long. Mm -hmm. I've been in a relationship with a man for over 15 years. I've never been with a woman. I've never had a relationship with a woman. But what I can say is that having a number of lesbian friends now, more than probably ever in my life, because being so involved in the L word fandom, I think we're like 99% female, 1% male. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I think there's one guy on Twitter that I see who's active about, about yeah. the yeah. Albert, and that's it. Um, He's the Angus of the fandom. Yes, yes. But there is this feeling sometimes where, not that any of our friends ever made me feel like this, but, like, because I am with a man, I feel like I'm on the outskirts of the conversation sometimes. Mm-hmm. Or that I even find men attractive or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I am not in a relationship, but I think that it's kind of like you said, as a bisexual person, there is this kind of just the way that things in, when you have a group of friends who are all women who like women yes, of various kinds. Yes. There's just this certain attitude towards men that as a woman, I very much feel. Yeah. But then as a bisexual, sometimes it's like, you know, like you and I jokingly say all the time we're half gay. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's a joke, but it's also really true. It is. Because sometimes it really does feel like you're straddling the line, you know, like yeah. part of you belongs in this group mm-hmm. and part of you doesn't. Right. And it's not anything like you said, it's not like anyone, none of our friends are biphobic, like no yeah. one's being shitty about it, thank God. I mean, it's geez, just. I was just going to say one of our very good friends in the fandom, Sarah, is married to a bisexual woman. Yeah. So like it, yeah, it's not like our group of friends is not like the group of friends in the show where it's like, oh, you're dating a man, bye, see you never. Like, but it, it definitely is this weird kind of thing. And I think for me in sort of the world at large, it does affect how I approach things because I never know, you never know what group you're safe in, right? Because the fact that you like women makes you not quite fit in with your straight friends. And the fact that you like men makes you not quite fit in with your gay friends. So it's like, yeah. Being bisexual is hard, TLDR. (laughs) (laughs) It is, it's an interesting, it's a very interesting experience too because I've had this feeling since I've like, accepted that I'm bisexual like if I never have a sexual experience with a woman am I actually a bisexual woman and I am yes and I know that but at the same time it just feels coming out later in life I guess is what I'm gonna say I know many of our listeners are older and know that they can relate to this like coming out later in life is a weird fucking experience because I wasn't 16 when I was like oh I think I might like girls, but I like guys too. No, because by 16, I was already in a committed relationship with my husband. It was done. Right. Wouldn't have mattered if it was another male, another female, a non-binary person, trans person. I wouldn't have known because I was taken. (laughs) Right. Like my heart was already set. Yeah. So it is a very strange feeling. Yeah. Hey, Brittany, remember when this wasn't going to be a heavy episode? Better days are ahead, okay? <laughs> we nailed it. We nailed it. No, but I think it's I think it's important to talk about. And I think Tina's bisexuality is very important to the bisexual members of the fandom. It's important to us. It's important to Laurel. So I think it's it's worth talking about. And it's inescapable, at least for me as a bi person watching season four, you can't not see it or talk about it. Sure. So, you know, sorry for getting heavy when we said we wouldn't, but I think it's an important conversation, so. Yeah, and shout out to our friends for just being awesome because we're friends with a lot of lesbians and I sent out a New Year's card this year and like no one sent me a video of them burning it because my husband was pictured. (laughs) So moving on to the next scene. Yes. That we picked. Yes. I think we should talk about the scene in the backyard in season four. Yes. Let's talk about that scene. That That also to me is better than the elevator scene in terms of them actually talking to each other. Yep. So this was- Basically, I don't understand why the elevator scene is held up as the moment when Bette and Tina fix their relationship. (laughs) Yeah. But this scene- 
Brittany, I feel like I've talked a lot. You say something about this scene. Oh, I have to say something? Okay, well, I'm pretty, it's at the end of season four. I'm pretty sure it's the second to last episode. I'm almost positive. That sounds right. So, setting the stage here, Bet was an ass. Surprise, surprise, surprise. We're in season four and nothing has changed. <laughs> Bet was an ass. She didn't show up to Jody's event thing that she had going on. I don't even remember exactly what it was. Was there going well, away? Wasn't it, or... wasn't it, weren't they still mad at each other because of the fight they had at the dinner party? And then Jody was having like this going away event and Bet didn't show up to say goodbye because she was still pouting because Jody actually called her out on her shit. And yeah. There's a reason why we were doing a, a rewatch before we go into all these episodes because <laughs> I think I've only watched like the Bet and Jody storyline twice all the way through. Yeah. It's painful for me. So that's what's up. Henry and Tina are like right about to break up. I think I'm pretty sure that Tina breaks up with Henry in like one of the next scenes that we see her because Tina yeah. meets a line in that conversation where she says like, I'll take that over being with a boring man any day. Yeah. But rewind, Bet asked Tina a very important question. She says, why is it so hard to be with me? And Tina is shocked that, that Bet asked this question. Yeah. And you can tell she clearly thinks like, okay, she doesn't really want me to answer. So I'm just going to sit here for a second and let Bet keep talking. Yeah. But Bet actually, to her credit, goes like, no, really, I want to know. Yeah. But then, of course, when Tina tells her, like, she starts off with like, you're a control freak. And she says, so? Yeah. <laughs> just immediately back to Ow! <laughs> you know what I think is something about that scene? I was rewatching it recently, actually, and something that I had obviously heard before, but that I think it, I hadn't really processed the significance of is when Bet says, Tell me everything I did that made you run from me. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a surprisingly insightful observation about their relationship especially coming from Bet. Well, yeah, because one of the last scenes that we see of Bet and Tina together when they're still a couple, when Tina has just moved out of the bedroom and Bet's about to go off to that retreat, is Bet saying like, you're breaking up this family. Yeah. Like you are responsible for this. You're yeah. breaking up this family. Even though technically I would argue it was Bet's decision. Yeah, she couldn't. She couldn't handle the fact that Tina was having feelings about men again. Yeah. But anyway, I think that one of the things I can respect most about Bet in the later seasons is that there is this reflection piece from her and there's this self-awareness that I feel like she was lacking for so long. Yes. She's finally starting to show some of that. And yeah. it's so obvious in that conversation that she has with Tina. Yeah. Because she realizes it's her. Yeah. She's she's having very similar issues with Jody that came up with Tina. Yeah. Just in a way more, take it to like 14 out of 10, because it never got that like intense right. with Tina. But with Jody, it started at 10 out of 10. Like they, they right. <laughs> cranked it up from the start because they are so 
similar with their yes constant they're both people. very intense people for sure so yeah. tina you know tells her like what were the things that tore them apart and says you know like essentially it's your world and we're all living in it yeah but there's this moment where she says but i'll take that over a boring man any day yeah i think isn't it i'll take that over the boring man i've been seeing i think yeah. is what she says yeah i think you're right and Which, so again yeah. we see that love was never and has never been the issue with tina and Beth. no these two love each other with everything that they have. I don't care if they're together, if they're separated, if they're divorced, it radiates constantly. And this is a prime example of that. They're both mm -hmm. in other relationships. And yet here we are talking about two scenes of their interactions that were some of the best in our opinion in this series. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think this is just a thought that's kind of occurring to me as we're talking about this. I wonder if, not that I like them not being together, but I wonder if they had to be apart for them to have those moments. So neither of them could use sex to hide from it. Mm -hmm. I think you're right. Because some of the best conversations that we see with them are when they're not a couple. Yeah. I mean, geez, even in Gen Q, yeah, in the conversation in the kitchen, it's one of, again, it's one of the more honest conversations that we see of them. Yep. And again, I, I think that some of the feedback that we've been getting about this podcast is that people can appreciate that we're talking about these particular topics related to Tibet more than their sex scenes or their chemistry. Those things mm -hmm. are there, they're alive and well, and we have not forgotten about them. No, not they're at very all. Very important aspects of them as a couple. But I think for every person who is immediately saying like, there's no way that these two could have been divorced. They've already been through the rough patch. They've already been through this. I think that this is a reminder that the problems don't just go away overnight. TV right. or not, they have always had shit that they've needed to work through yeah that they've never put as a priority to do so yeah at least not in the the early days that we see of them yes so but it, again it's one of those moments where i feel like tina has never told bet that she needed to be somebody else she loves bet for who she is mm -hmm. but her plea has always just been to like can you just turn it down a little bit yeah can you just respect that my shit is as important as your shit yes like i love that part where she's that's what she says you know yeah. she's like but it's like your things are so much more important than everybody else's mm -hmm. and i think that a is putting the problem very eloquently good yeah. job tina proud of you but also I think it's something that needs to hear. And I think it's something Tina needs to say. And like you said, I think I can really appreciate that. One of the great things about Tina as a partner for Bet is that even in Gen Q, we see this. She has this balance of 
not asking Bet to change who she is as a human being, but not being afraid to tell her what makes her so freaking difficult. Well, and not being afraid to challenge her to look inward, right? Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's one of the things that for as much as Bet hates being told that she's wrong, she doesn't do well with criticism. Tina has a very beautiful way of just like making her see that she really needs to consider others. Mm -hmm. And I think that Bet knows that she needs that. Yes. For all, for all of her shit, she knows that she needs someone like that to keep her grounded. And Tina has is so skillful in doing that with Bet. Yes. Yes. I mean, skillful is a good word for it. Yeah. Like even when she shows up in Gen Q, right? Yep. Bet is hysterical. She's, yep. a, she's a hot fucking mess, right? Yep. And then Tina comes in and just sits down at the table with her and says, want to tell me what happened last night <laughs> it's almost in a whisper she almost whispers it to her and bet if by some miracle we ever get laurel holloman on this podcast oh i God. need you to use that voice with her please <laughs> you've been like dreaming since day one that we're gonna get laurel on this podcast please i will continue to dream i fully realize that it's like a one shot in a million. Yeah. I realize it's never going to happen, but I will dream. Okay, let me dream. I get sweaty just thinking about it. <laughs> I have my list of questions all prepared already. Okay. Well, the plan is that I will be going to London in September to see her show. So I will make sure that I ask her, Hi, it's so great to meet you. You're gorgeous. <laughs> I have a little podcast with a friend. Would you mind coming on as a guest? Here's my card. Call me or I'll call you. Oh, God. Anyway. So, yes. So the next scene that we're going to talk about is the she-bar kiss. Right? Yeah. I was trying to think of a witty remark, but it didn't come into my brain. So I just kind of blue screened instead. You know, I wanted to tell you that earlier you were talking about something and you had a very Canadian moment because you said about... Did I? Yes. Yay! It's not completely gone. So Taylor is an American, but she's spent many years in Canada. Or what? Many, like three, but... I mean, like three is a long time to not live in America. Yeah, that's and, true. And you'll be going back. Yeah. So, yeah, you had this moment where you said about earlier. To be fair, it could also be your influence. Explain more about that. Well, because some of your O sounds are very similar to Canadian O sounds. It's a northern northerner thing, I think. Yeah. And it, it cracks me up when I meet people from different states and those, they're like, I love your accent. And I'm like, hold on a second. I'm not the one with an accent here. Yeah. That was, I, two of my Canadian classmates in film school had really strong Canadian accents, like full on sorry Canadian accents. Yeah, yeah. And, and they were like, wait, do you think I have an accent? And I was like, only when you say sorry. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. But I did also work in the Canadian service industry. So, you know, I picked up that sorry. Sure. Yeah. 
it happens. Accents, they're weird. And it's interesting because I'm from southeastern Wisconsin, so people that live up north, holy smokes, like they. Oh, did they sound full on Minnesota? They sound yeah, they found they sound full on Minnesota. That's that's a perfect way to put it. Um, okay. She so, bar kiss. She bar kiss. One of the best. One of the best, if not the best, Tibet scene in the series. Yes. I might just I might just have to give it the number one title at this moment it is yeah it is an amazing 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 scene and i think one of the reasons that makes it so amazing is that we had not seen bet and tina have any sort of intimacy since season two and now we're in season five the last time that we saw them like even kiss was end of season two yep so we have waited a long time for this well, mm-hmm. I, I take that back. We may have seen, we saw them, the last time we technically saw them kiss was when they, when Bet was going to the um, retreat and the, the adoption worker shows up. Oh, yeah. So they have a quick peck. Oh, and you can't forget when Bet was going to save her relationship with Jody and kiss oh, yeah. the way out. <laughs> yeah. But this is like a full on makeout session that they have. Yeah. And so Tina is dating Brenda at the time and bet is so fucking jealous oh my god yeah she is she is so jealous because she finds out earlier in that episode that tina slept with brenda on the first date and bet is doing everything she can to not have a full-on panic attack when they're at the self-defense class yes poor jody (laughs) yes and it's building up right so like yeah Bet has watched Tina with Henry. She saw Tina kind of briefly date uh, Kate, kind of, sort of. They didn't really have yeah, or at least have a flirtation. Yeah. And she went on a couple of blind dates, and she saw one of them at the planet. And now she's with Brenda. She knows she slept with Brenda. And Bet is freaking the fuck out. Mm-hmm. So at the end of this episode, season five, episode of Four. they have this moment where tina is hiding away in this little vip area no one else is in there with her bet walks in and they have this they have this moment where they like they're like two like smitten teenagers like they like they don't know how to act around each other right yeah like yeah. they're, they're so like nervous. both waiting for the other one to say they like the other one first like yes. like it's like these women have had at that point They've known each other for probably 10 years. They've had, they've been in a relationship for probably the better part of seven or eight of those years. They have a daughter together, but they stumble upon one another on their own. And it's like, oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm 15 again. Yeah. Anybody sitting here? Like what? (laughs) These two, like, oh man. So they're both clearly like, walking on eggshells not sure like what the next move is to make and yeah. Beth almost gonna walk out but tina like lets her know like i'm hiding i'm in here hiding from brenda she's fucking crazy yeah like and and then of course Beth comes and sits down because tina's revealed that she's not like a hundred percent on board with this woman that she's dating so bet has got to know everything about it right <laughs> everything she's got to know every single detail 
the door opens a crack and Beck goes boom and yeah. kicks it in. Yeah, exactly. And so I think many people interpret the scene in a lot of different ways and it's different than it was intended to be, right? Yes. The original script had this scene be more sexually charged than it was. Yes. From my perspective, I think when Tina let her guard down and told Bet that she was having second thoughts about Brenda and she wasn't really feeling it, like Brenda, her hers and Brenda's taste were just different. And they kind of had this moment of connection where like, Tina says, this is not my scene, you know, like bars. Yeah. Bet can relate to that because they are very similar in that regard. I feel like Bet had this moment where she was like, I had better kiss her now before she goes and finds another fucking woman on the dance floor to spend the night with. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. That's Probably. Like, that's how it felt to me. Like she was saying, like, don't forget that you're mine. Yeah. <laughs> In so many ways. I don't know. Yeah. What is your what is your perception of that of her move of pulling Tina in for this? I don't know. It's see, it's so funny because I've thought about this scene from Tina's perspective so many times. I've never thought about, I mean, I'm trying to think of the way that Jennifer played it. I think it was kind of, I think she needed to do it because if she didn't do it, then she was going to be too afraid to ever do it again. Yeah. And I think also she was at this point with Jody where it was kind of at that sink or swim moment, you know? And I think she was starting to feel like this might not be the relationship for me. Sure. And I think in a way she needed to remind herself of what could be out there for her. Mm -hmm. But I also think that it was, it was about reconnecting with Tina and just kind of being overwhelmed by like oh right that's what it's supposed to feel like yeah yeah that like electricity that they clearly have in that moment yeah and just being like i've got to or or kind of like you said or she's gone yeah she'll go and find someone else to casually date tomorrow right <laughs> like and that's the sta- that's the stage that of the game where that tina was in she was casually right. dating like she wasn't she wasn't out there looking for a wife but she was right. actively dating. And I mean, I think she was, you know, she was trying to get over Bet. I think is what was happening. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think she was trying to find a way to keep herself distracted from the fact that Bet was in this committed relationship. Yes. And we know that she says, she tells Kate that she couldn't come home with her at the end of season four. And Kate says, is that because, is that person that you have feelings for, Bet? And she says, yeah, but I don't think it's right to mess up her life after a year because I have feelings again. Right. Which, again, going back to just who Tina is as a person, what an emotionally mature, like, like that is a true act of love to me because Mm -hmm. Bet is never going to know that she said that. Yeah. You know, and it is literally Tina being like, I am putting her feelings before my own. Yeah. So, so. I think the only way that that actually, that Shebar moment would have worked, and it did, was because Bet made the first move. Yes. All the action Tina- that Tina had proved up to then showed that Tina was never going to, Tina was never going to step in the way of Bet and Jody. 
willing, no. like without bet making the first giving her a sign yeah yes because we see all the way up until that point that there's clearly sexual tension between bet and tina i mean even before when alice and shane take tina out to go find a woman at the yeah you see tina watching bet from across the bar yeah my favorite moment is after that date with the like stockbroker whatever the fuck that woman was well she was a mortgage lender or something oh okay yeah 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 and and bet asks what she does for a living and tina's so fucking smug yeah and jody says that's such an awful question to ask <laughs> who asks that bet yeah listen for all the things that i hated about bet and jody as a couple jody did not let bet get away with anything and i fucking live for it oh yeah oh yeah she was really good at that and i think that that was i think that that was another reason why tina had such a hard time and and really couldn't until again bet made the first move of being honest with bet about how she felt is because she knew that for as twisted as they were Jody had some really redeeming qualities that Bet needed in a partner. Oh yeah. And I think in some way Tina knew that like she was and she even says, like, you met your match. She said that yep. when they were talking on the back porch. Like she did. And Jody, she did meet her match. Yes. And she couldn't handle it. She could not handle it. She couldn't. So they have this beautiful moment and this unscripted moment where Jennifer just starts crying after they they've they've been kissing jennifer crying i'm shocked that was not in the original script there was never supposed to be a crying scene in that it was supposed to be sexually charged the end make out scene bar who knows how it would have progressed into the next episode but but jennifer breaks down Mm -hmm. and laurel rolled with it yeah and that is a true testament to laurel's skill as an actor because that is a hard thing to do and she, I mean, miss, she did not miss a beat no there's no hesitation. no there is not a micro expression out of place there oh and it's really fucking impressive it is and i think it again you know it shows the fact that this relationship in this show was so meaningful to both of the actresses like yes they they even knew and jennifer clearly felt this in her bones that bet and tina had come so far up Mm -hmm. until that moment Mm -hmm. and all those emotions came out yeah and i mean props to jennifer too because again as an actor to just actually let those feelings happen yeah and roll with it and not be like oh shit this wasn't in the script can we cut for a sec like i need a break you know yeah like for both of them just that's those are the magic moments you live for as an actor yeah you know yeah and and i think it made the scene so much more emotional rather than sexual yes Yes. Like, yes, it was a very sexual kiss. Like, there was a lot of sexual energy there. But 
Bet and Tina have never just been about sex. Yeah, never. And I, and I think it would have felt wrong if it had kind of ended the way that it was scripted, where it was just kind of like this very sexual, like, ooh, look, now we're having an affair. Like, yeah, yeah. It wouldn't have felt like Bet and Tina. It wouldn't have felt right. No. And so whatever happened that day, I'm glad it did because it made it much more true to their characters and their sure. relationship. Yeah. And so the last scene we wanted to talk about was the walk on by dance scene at the end of season five. Yeah. Which is also a contender of one of the best Tibet scenes, in my opinion. Yeah. And why do you think that is? I mean, I think it's such a perfect example of the connection that these two people have. I mean, yes, they kiss in it, obviously, but before that, they're literally just looking at each other and dancing. Yeah. And it is the most charged look. And there's so much in it. Yeah. I mean, it just, it it further stresses the point that these two can speak and say so much to each other with just a look. Yes. Like no words have to be said. Yes. And selfishly, again, Tina is the top in their relationship. We take no other opinions on that. No. The fact that she leads Bet out onto the dance floor. Yeah, I love it. Makes me very happy. <laughs> well, and you also have to remember that Tina is in a pretty difficult spot in her, like having to do with Lay Girl. She's in a, a difficult spot yes. at that party because she got booted off a set permanently <laughs> because yep. Adele is a psycho. And yep. she seems to still have good connections with the other folks that are on like cast and crew. But again, it's awkward because so much has changed yep with just the dynamics of lay girl yeah and not to mention jody and bet were just together they yeah. were just a couple and we know that we just saw like shortly before that that you know bet had this pretty humiliating embarrassing moment with jody making a yeah. fool of her and so they needed that night together i feel like for so many reasons yeah I think also it's a testament to how far Bet has come at that point that she is able to put that aside and really be there for Tina in a way. Yeah. Because like I remember when William gets there and he's with Adele and like Tina says hi to him and he literally just ignores her and walks past her. Yeah. And Bet is like right there and is just like, let's go inside. Don't worry about it. Like it's fine. Whatever. And so I think, you know, season one bet would never have done that. She wouldn't have even realized that Tina was upset. No, she wouldn't have. So good job, it, bet. It was, it was just a very touching moment. And when, you know, Tasha says at the table, like, oh, I can imagine them together. And Alice says, oh, those two, yeah, they belong together. Yeah. Every time I see that, I'm always like, oh my God, that's right. Tasha has literally never seen them as a couple. Yeah. And there's, it It also, again, just shows kind of like the power of these two because here sitting at this table is Kit, that sister, who's saying, and they always have, even though mm -hmm. 
even though just a couple episodes before bet is like or, or kit is telling bet like what the fuck are you doing getting involved with tina again like even yeah. she has to like put aside her personal feelings about them to say like no you're right and then you have alice and helena at the table who yep. had romantic relationships with bet and tina yep and randomly cindy is at the table with helena forget about they're just oh my god i fucking forgot about that. it's just another thing that doesn't make a lot of sense but anyway <laughs> tasha you know tasha is the one that's like i can imagine them together because really i mean cindy let's just forget she's even there she's the only one that hasn't seen them together yeah yeah and it's a testament to their power that i always forget that tasha has not seen them together because yeah. i'm like it's tibet tasha where the fuck have you been oh right that's all so, of us though like yeah like tasha is all of us as a tibet fandom like just in awe of them yeah. all the time that is us all the time yeah yeah like like here we are having another hour-long conversation <laughs> moments that these two fictional characters share yeah and it could go on and on and on yeah that scene for me is another example of like again yes it is very sexually charged but the way they touch each other is not inherently sexual no it's not it's it's, it's much more tender and loving it's sensual and, and it's intimate and yes it's personal yes it's very personal to me <laughs> i take it clearly personally. it was very personal to the actresses who played bev and nina too it's <laughs> yes, exactly. one of my favorite little moments i for those of you who haven't watched this scene a hundred thousand times like Brittany and i have if you go back and rewatch it at one point the actresses who play Bev and Nina in Lay Girl, like one of them nudges the other and like points at Bet and Tina. And then the other one turns around and is like, oh. Yeah, it is a sweet moment. It's great. It and Bet and Tina don't even notice because they're the only two people in the world to each other. I mean, they literally, I think that the, the, the reception hall could have been on fire and they wouldn't have realized what was going on. Nope. Good so, for them. Yeah, yeah. And so the last scene we'll talk about today is the porch scene in Gen Q. Oh, right. I was like, we have another one? So Gen Q, episode six of season one. Mm -hmm. Tina has come to save the day for Bet. They had mm -hmm. this whole episode where they've talked, they've talked about Bet's mishap pushing. Felicity's husband down the steps. Bet's mishap. Yeah. Her... You mean Bet's potential assault of a yes. man? Yes. I mean, I know it was an accident, but like. Yeah. And they've aired some grievances about each other from their divorce. And now they're at this moment where Bet has just given a speech to the press and Tina is going to go home. She's leaving. She's going back to Toronto. Presumably. Yes. And they have this again very touching moment where you know bet of course like stuck the daggers in tina earlier in that episode and said you should have been there at kit's funeral i thought you were my family mm -hmm. and so tina reminds bet i am your family you know yeah and then she says i love you 
and Bet yeah. says, I love you. Yeah. And then they hug and Bet falls apart. Yeah. Bet shatters into a thousand little pieces. As she should. Yes. As is very valid of her. Yes. Because, and this is how I've always described this moment in Gen Q, Bet cannot, she cannot breathe without Tina. Yeah. Like, you see her visibly exhale in that moment. Yes, you hear her breath in that moment. Yes, because it's like Tina is literally the heir to Bet's lungs. Mm -hmm. And major, major props to Laurel Holloman and Jennifer Beals for stepping back into these roles like a decade later. Yeah. And still acting the hell out of them. Yeah. Especially Laurel, who hadn't acted in nine yeah. years at that point. Yeah. And she just put on some leather pants and she was Tina again. <laughs> part baller, she's, part angel. She's Tina Kennard. She's got orange hair on some scenes, <laughs> blonde hair in other scenes. She probably shot that episode across many dates because your girl, your girl was busy for a while there back pre-pandemic yeah. <laughs> with all of her art exhibitions and million different countries. But yeah. My mom literally, when she saw that, after the, I don't remember if it was after like the doors, like when she sees her at the door, or if it was even after the like kitchen table scene, it might have been. I think it was because I remember being like, mom, how did you not realize this the entire time? My mom went, wait, who was that? (laughs) I was like, mom, it was Tina. And she was like, with her orange hair? I was like, yes, people can change their hair color. And there was a lot of speculation with Gen Q if Laurel was going to come back. And then there was this, there was this little moment on IMDb where somebody put Laurel in the cast list for Gen Q season one before that episode had actually happened and then it disappeared. So it's like, IMDb always dropping hints. They never, they never confirmed it though. And for all we knew, Laurel was just out living her life as an artist. She wasn't, she was not coming back to acting. Yeah. And then she shows up on Beth's doorstep. And I will never forget watching that moment, 7.30 in the morning. I was watching first thing because I, as soon as I woke up, because I wanted to see it, because I'd been following the storyline of Bet having this conflict as per usual. <laughs> and when Tina showed up on the screen, my jaw dropped. I could not believe it. Sometimes I still cannot believe that she came back. Yeah. And that, that you know, we're see so much of her in season two. I know. I'm stoked for that. Yeah, me too. I also, um, just going back to the, the porch scene for a second, because I was re-watching that recently too, because, you know, I just watch all of Tina's scenes periodically because, of course. Um, yeah. And I love the moment, I think it's one of the very first lines, when Tina says, you're going to be a great mayor. Yeah. No doubt in her mind, not only that Bet will be good at that, but that she'll win the election. Yeah. She's so it's such a, her. yeah, it's such a little thing, but there's so much love in it. Well, and there's a couple moments in that episode where Tina, again, is still like, 
this this grounding yeah angel for but when she said you know when bet's like well at least i didn't screw that up she says yeah at least i did that right and tina says you're a good mom yeah and she says you're doing a lot of things right yeah takes her hand holds it again but nearly passes out at the kitchen (laughs) the dining room table these are like the moments where again i'm reminded of why i love them so much yeah again because well, and i think i think the thing about that that hug for me is that bet has had at that point to be so strong for so long i mean angie even says she just kept going yep. and finally and it, i think she has always been able to do this which is one of the things i love the most about them she can fall apart in Tina's arms because she's safe to do so. Yeah. Well, and Tina said that to her in season five. You can let Yeah, go. you can cry with me. Yeah. yeah. Well, and when they're yeah. laying in the bed after um, Bet was here. Oh, yeah. You just need to let go. Yeah. So. Yeah. So those are some of our favorites. Yeah. Some of our favorites just to moments. lighten the mood, question mark. Somehow it always ends up serious. It always ends up. I mean, that's them though, right? Like they're complex and they're dynamic and they are not like black and white by any means. They live in the gray area always. Yes. Yeah. Well, this has been All Things Tibet Podcast. I'm Brittany. I'm Taylor. And we'll see you next time. episode of All Things Tibet podcast hosted by Taylor and Brittany. At this time, we do not have any sponsorships, but if you're interested in sponsoring us, please send us an email at allthingstibet at gmail.com. We can be found on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under All Things Tibet podcast, and you can check out our main podcast profile at anchor.fm slash allthingstibet. We post new episodes every Tuesday, and we send all of our love to the Tibet fandom for their support during this time as we get this brand new podcast off the ground. We will see you next week.